Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm John O. Williams, and welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. Now, I'm not sure if you know, but we've just had the shortest day of the year, which means summer is coming. But there is still a big chunk of wintry weather to get through. So, this week's story is called Lessons from Antarctica on How to Get Through Winter. It's by Virginia Fallon, who joins me now. Hi, Virginia. Kia ora, Jono. I feel like there's only one way to start this conversation, and that is, how are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty sad. And this is where the idea for this story really came about. We were talking about how people are affected by winter. It's a thing. Yeah, it's felt like a long winter, hasn't it? Because it kind of started in summer, effectively. It absolutely did. And we know it did. So, you know, in this story, I spoke with a meteorologist and and all the people in the know, and it really did. We've had much fewer, well, some places in New Zealand have had much fewer sunshine hours than in previous years. So we're not imagining it. Um, certainly those of us in the North Island, we've we've been ripped off. Were you surprised by what the people who stayed down in Antarctica told you about how they cope with winter down there? I was fascinated. Firstly, I was so grateful that these guys jumped on board. You know, the organisation was just brilliant and getting me like a, a video link down to Antarctica was astonishing. But yes, yeah, sorry, to answer your question, I really was surprised. But The thing that probably surprised me the most was I knew they had six months of no sun, but I didn't realise it was six months of absolute darkness. That was astonishing. To to the point, um, one of the chaps I spoke to took his laptop outside to show me, and it it was night time. It was amazing. Thanks, Virginia. And now here's Philippa Tolley reading Virginia's story. It's 9am in Antarctica, and Greg Kukatai has taken his laptop outside into absolute darkness. It's minus 45 degree conditions. The winter leader of Scott Base pans the camera about to show, well, not much. The lights of the base are blazing, but everything else is black. Back inside, base engineer Steve Sooty Demby describes how a group gathered on the ice in April to watch as the sun dipped below the horizon. It's pretty amazing to watch the sun set and know that's it for another six months, he says. While the dark days of New Zealand's winters don't hold a candle to Antarctica's, there's no doubt they can still affect our physical and mental health. 
time and again, it's been proven that when light dies, sadness will rise. And while feelings of melancholy commonly accompany the change in season, experts are warning this year's slump might feel even worse. That's because with much of New Zealand's last summer missing in action, so too are the myriad of essential health benefits the sun provides. Things like vitamin D, mood-boosting serotonin, and an all-round improvement in mental well-being. Combine this deficit with three years of pandemic-induced upheaval, the continuing cost-of-living crisis, and a country already struggling with mental health, and we're sitting ducks for a national downer. Niwa climate scientist Grigor Makara stops short of labelling last summer as the worst ever, though he admits it's hard to think of one worse. For Auckland and Hawke's Bay, it'd be hard to beat how bad it was, he says. Pretty dour and depressing. But just as record rainfall drenched and damaged those regions, others were simply robbed of the sun and its benefits. By the end of May, Auckland's north had seen only 64% of its usual sunshine, losing 333 hours worth. Wararapa lost 286, and Northland was cheated of 195. Meanwhile, the west coast saw more than 100 extra sunny hours, and central Otago scored at least 200 more than usual. Gee, I wish we could have shared it with them, says the latter's mayor, Tim Cadogan. It was a wonderful summer, except for a sense of guilt about our friends in the North Island. Down in Antarctica, Denby is in his fourth winter of complete darkness. A team of about 18 staff run the base during its six-month winter. Almost half have worked in the Defence Force. He says they sort of screen you before you come down to see if you can handle it. Some don't. Demby says he's pretty used to it now, but admits to a creeping melancholy that can take hold once the sun goes. He also experiences T3 syndrome, a condition found in polar explorers and caused by a decrease in levels of the thyroid hormone. Its effects include forgetfulness, cognitive impairment and mood disturbances. He says, I can walk from one end of the base to the other and when I get there think, what am I doing here? I have to carry a notebook. It's not as disastrous as it sounds. It's quite funny. The family of a Melton teenager who died six years ago are for the first time appealing for further information about the girl's death. If I could go back now knowing what I know now, they'd be dead. Yeah, I'd be in jail. I'm Ryan Wolfe, and in season four of my investigative true crime podcast, Guilt, I travelled to Melbourne, Australia to investigate the mysterious death of 16-year-old Alana Cecil and uncover a shocking case of sex, exploitation, drugs and possibly murder. You'll find guilt on all good podcast platforms. And she got stolen away from me. And are those culprits who did it? I want to catch them. I want to get them. And they know who they are. And I'm, I won't, I won't give, I ever give up. Hi, Michael Wright here. If you're enjoying The Long Read, I think you might like my new true crime podcast from Stuff. Hosted by me, Michael Wright, and Shannon Redstall, it's called The Lost Boy, The Disappearance of Mike Zhao Beckenridge. 
Back in New Zealand, when summer literally went south, Kiwis took flight. In the week beginning May the 8th, when torrential rain caused havoc in Auckland, flight centres saw bookings to Eastern Europe's coming summer rise by 70%. The travel agency has also seen bookings to Latin America and the Caribbean rise by more than 30%, and to Northern Africa by 28%. But for those of us who can't afford to follow the sun, experts say we can at least bring the sun to us. Dr Alan Rosenthal and his light box are beaming in from Washington, 40 years after he first described seasonal affective disorder, or SAD, a type of depression related to the changes in seasons. Marked by symptoms including fatigue, depression, hopelessness and social withdrawal, SAD is estimated to affect from about 1% to 10% of the global population, with women more commonly affected than men. Back in 1976, Rosenthal found that when he moved from his native South Africa to the US, both his and his wife's moods and energy levels slumped during the country's colder winters. When the weather got better, so did they. Then, at a party a few years later, he met scientist Alfred Louis, who'd been researching the sleep hormone melatonin and how light affects mood. The pair got talking, studies started, and, ultimately, a syndrome was born. SAD was formally recognised by the American Psychiatric Association in 1987, but Rosenthal says it's always been a thing, we just didn't have a name for it. Yes, he says, everyone tends to get a bit glum in winter, but seasonality, or how we respond to the seasons, comes on a spectrum. Some people won't know what you're talking about, he says. Other people will feel blech. Others will feel really under the weather. It's a matter of degree. Rosenthal recommends a range of tactics for combating SAD, though being prepared for its onset is the single most important. Cognitive behavioural therapy has also been shown to work, as has meditation, a healthy diet and, in essence, fake sun. The sun box, currently sitting on his desk, is used daily by the psychiatrist as soon as he recognises SAD is sneaking up on him. Mimicking outdoor light at about 10 times the intensity, the screens are one of the most popular and effective treatments for SAD. Sufferers typically use them for half an hour twice a day. Rosenthal says studies have shown symptoms of SAD and other depressions can quickly improve with the use of lamps, much faster than antidepressants, which can take weeks to work. Even so, he encourages people to embrace whatever help they need. There's nothing wrong with medication, he says. Eric Bird, technical director of the Scott-based Rebuild program, says it might be fake and won't be there for another four years, but sunlight is finally coming for Antarctica's winter. When new buildings are shipped from New Zealand to the ice in 2027, new technology in the form of tunable LED lights will mimic daylight's natural urban flow when the real thing is nowhere to be seen. One of the key issues is seasonal affective disorder and the effect on circadian rhythms, he says. You don't realise how it impacts you until it does. I've been down there a couple of times, but I'm not brave enough 
to do a winter. Anna Wurtz Justice, a New Zealander and now Emeritus Professor at the Psychiatric Hospital of the University of Basel, is a world authority on sleep and depression research, last year adding the prestigious Daylight Research Award to her many other accolades. She introduced light therapy to Europe as a treatment for SAD and says while the mechanisms are still unknown, it works extremely fast to improve depressive mood. It's also efficacious in non-seasonal and bipolar depression, she says, often in combination with medication, and also in a variety of sleep disorders to stabilise timing. We know that the light information from the retina is transferred via a specific neuronal tract to the biological clock, separate from visual functions, Wirtz Justice explains. Recently, a new pathway has been found whereby light information goes directly to regions of the brain involved in mood and sleep regulation. So, the clinical effects are well documented and beginning to be accepted by the medical establishment, she says, and the way light works is beginning to be elucidated. But because it can't be patented, there is little effort to carry out the large, randomised, double-blind, placebo-controlled clinical trials that would speed up inclusion and treatment guidelines. Today on League of Our Own, we chat with our feline friend, West Tiger and soon-to-be Panther, Isaiah Papali'i. See what I did there, like Larry? It. Yeah. Like the Warriors are 12 matches down with 12 to go. We talk their season to date and if they could still land a final spot. We preview round 14 with the Wars and Townsville and a whole host of massive matches, including the Bronx and the Sharks. And we are officially in the state of origin window. It's an Australian representative competition, yet Kiwis <laughs> love this thing. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, what, rising child abuse no, numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, tagline there. That, that, I think that it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing iffy in there. On. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. As for SAD's grip on New Zealand, Wirtz Justice doesn't know of epidemiological studies investigating the prevalence. If we compare our data in Switzerland, at 47 degrees north, where 2% of the adult population suffer from SAD and 8% from the winter blues, she says, then it could be assumed that a similar prevalence could be found at 46 degrees south in Dunedin and less in the North Island. Psychologist Mark Wilson says that although SAD is accepted by a majority of the clinical and research community, it's got a kind of twilight existence, apt really, when you think about it. It's not recognised as a disorder in its own right in the Hypochondriac's Guide to Psychiatric Disorder, he says, but rather as a subtype or a specifier for depression. Wilson says there are pros and cons to this, stressing the importance of an appropriate diagnosis to rule out so-called normal depression, which can also get worse in winter, bipolar or atypical depression. 
The downside is that some research says clinicians may not think of going that route, he says, and therefore may not offer the treatment of first choice. When it comes to any sort of winter blues, Wilson says, the one thing that is known is that not doing anything won't help. Even a 30-minute walk has been shown to be as good for your mood as antidepressants, he says. And a break in routine is often, particularly with experiences that involve other people, also beneficial. Unfortunately, he says, it's all common sense, so nobody will go for it. That might be the case on the mainland, but Antarctica's winter team know all too well the dangers of doing nothing. As well as just keeping an eye on each other and keeping communication open, the staff take part in organised activities designed to boost their mood. So far there's been a high-spirited game of hide-and-seek, an escape room challenge undertaken in fancy dress, drives out to watch the stars and auroras, as well as a social occasion involving the US staff from nearby McMurdo Station. Those Americans are also soon to be challenged to a game of mini-golf, played in the dark. Games aside, Kukatai says staff still have to be tough, and sometimes that means talking about feelings. Sometimes it just means celebrating the little things. And when the sun finally rises in August, Denby says Antarctica's winter people will do just that. When you get your first feeling of heat from that sun, it's hard to imagine, he says. You walk around a building, it's still minus 30 degrees, but you feel it. That warmth is a revelation. That was Lessons from Antarctica on how to get through winter on The Long Read from Stuff. Written by Virginia Fallon, read and produced by Philippa Tolley. This episode was edited by Connor Scott. If you listened via our website, you can hear this story and more like it on the Long Read podcast, available on all the usual platforms. And if you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. It actually does help other listeners find us. Thanks for listening. This pod took time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. All you reality TV lovers, we've got an extra special episode of The Girls Uninterrupted with our very own Aisha Scott from the latest season of Below Deck Mediterranean, all thanks to Hey You, the best of reality TV. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.